Hello and welcome Evangel Church small group leaders to week five of the Evangel Church Small Group Leaders podcast. I'm your host, Pastor Bobby Nemeth, and I'm just so amazed and overjoyed uh, about the wonderful things that we're going through this season. I am just, uh, just overwhelmed by what God is doing in our groups and on Sunday mornings uh, through this series. It's just been remarkable, and I can't believe that we are already approaching week five, and for me, one of the most powerful themes that we can really deal with, and that is all about Jesus, who is our Redeemer. So this week we're coming to the central truth about the cross and about the centrality of the cross. You know, in the very beginning of John's gospel, he wants to get it straightforward that Jesus is the one who takes away the sins of the world. And so in the in the words of John the Baptist, he says, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. From the very beginning, the gospel writers, especially John, wants you to know that Jesus is here to do something and something amazing and that is deal with the problem that every person has to deal with and that's the problem of sin and so who Jesus really is is the fulfillment of the Passover lamb you know the Passover is this central story in the history of Israel it's this feast that they celebrate every year of when God led them out of slavery out of Egypt and so there are these series of plagues which climax in the death of the firstborn and the way that Israel was preserved through this was that they had to take the blood of a lamb or a goat, put it over their door post, and then if they had that blood there, then death would pass over. But over those who didn't have the blood of the lamb or the goat, what would happen? Well, death would come upon them. And so that night, death came upon the land of Egypt. And through that, God led his people out into freedom. And this is only a foreshadowing. This is only a picture of what God was ultimately going to do through Jesus on the cross. So Jesus has arrived in Jerusalem, and it is the night that he is going to be betrayed. He sits down with his disciples and he begins to eat this meal. But the interesting thing during this celebration that the Jews would have of the Passover uh, is that they would have, you know, a cup and they would break matzah and all this kind of stuff. But when Jesus goes and grabs the cup, what happens? He says, drink from it all of you, for this is my blood of the new covenant which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. And they're like, well, wait a minute. What do you, what do you mean? This is, this, is, this is now symbolic of, of your blood, and this is the blood of the covenant? Well, well, wait a minute. God made a covenant with us already, but he, then he promised a new covenant. And that new covenant would be when God would redeem us and rescue us from our exile and bring us back into relationship with him. So something new and different was going on here. And then he breaks the bread and he says, listen, this is my body broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And so where the cup once symbolized the redemption from Egypt, now it symbolized an even greater and eternal redemption through the blood of Jesus that would restore relationship with God once again. As Isaiah writes, he rendered himself as a guilt offering and he bore our iniquities. Jesus' sacrifice on the cross becomes that offering on our behalf. And the blood of Jesus on the cross covers our sins so that now sin 
and death would pass over us. So the same way that death passed over the Israelites, everyone who is covered in the blood, who is washed in the blood of Christ, who has, who has come to Jesus and says, I know that you died for my sins. I believe that you are Lord over all and that you have risen from the dead. Through that, we have now come into new life because why we've been bought with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. We've been redeemed. That is, we've been rescued like out of exile, out of the exodus, out of Egypt. We have been brought out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of the glorious sun. Why? Because of the wonderful work of Jesus on the cross. I love the way that one writer puts it, and he trampled over death by death. What a powerful hymn that is sung every single year in churches around the world to just show the, the, the overwhelming significance of the cross. And today, in, in, in really this week, that's the kind of things that you're going to be looking at. So now let's turn to uh, some of the questions that are in the group guide. So we begin with the icebreaker, and what we were really trying to do with that is talk about the significance of the weight of sin, and we wanted to um, create an analogy between debt and the heaviness of that, and then ultimately realizing the ultimate debt. So we're kind of doing like a Jewish thing, you know, so what does Jesus say? You know, um, you who are good, you know, you fathers, you know, you, if your son asks you for, a, you know, a fish, you don't give him a scorpion, and you know, if he asks you for a piece of bread, you don't give him a rock, right? And so if you being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more does your father in heaven, right, want to give good gifts to you? or as Luke says, want to give you the Holy Spirit. And so here what we're doing is we're trying to create this analogy. And then when you look at our debt in money, and then when you and then when you extrapolate that out, how much greater is our debt of sin towards God? And so when is the first time in your life that you experience the reality of debt? Um, ultimately, uh, you know, for, uh, um, the, the reality of the experience of sin in my life you know, didn't happen till much later. I was 18 years old when I gave my life to Christ. Uh, and that's when I realized that reality. But I, I came to the reality of debt uh, actually after that period and was able to draw that correlation. Uh, a friend of mine had come and said that they needed help, uh, you know, acquiring a cell phone. And at that time, you needed a credit check to get a cell phone. I don't know if you still do, but you know, they needed a they needed a credit check and they said, "Hey, listen, I will give you the money every month. Let's just get cell phones together." And so we each got a cell phone and they said, "Here, I'll pay you and you know, whatnot. And then, uh, so they did that for like the first six months and then they just decided that they didn't like that plan anymore. And I couldn't cancel the plan without a cancellation fee. And that cancellation fee was like six or $700. And I just wasn't making enough money at the time. You know, I was working part-time going to college. And what happened was this slowly just snowballed out of control. And then before you know it, I'm over $1,000 in debt and I'm trying to talk to the company. And it was the first time I had come to a situation that was completely out of my control and I couldn't remove it. And here I am, I think I was 19 at the time or 20. And I, I was like, 
overwhelmed by this sense of debt. And it really set me back for a long period of time, um, you know, because I just, I, I was, you know, I was working at a church most of the time and I wasn't making much money and it was just a really difficult situation. But here's the wonderful thing about all of this. When you think about what Christ did, you know, you go to Colossians 2 and what did he do? He canceled out the certificate of debt concerning us, having nailed it to the cross. I mean, that's one of the most beautiful pictures that Paul can say. Listen, that every one of us had a debt of sin with God. But what did Jesus do? He took that, he nails it to the cross, and he's like, listen, this is paid in full. Why? Because my death covers a multitude of sins, and that is one of the most wonderful truths of the cross. So turning to our weekly kind of questions, uh, just giving you a little bit of fodder for some of this, uh, you know, what fulfillment passages stood out to you the most? For me, day 28, 29, 33, and 34, I'm going to just talk about like one or two of them, but for me, those were the ones that were really boiling to the surface. When we come to day 22, it says, For dogs have surrounded me. A band of evildoers have encompassed me. They pierced my hands and my feet. You know, Psalm 22 is this powerful psalm that speaks really about the suffering and the death of Jesus in such an all-encompassing way. And that fulfillment is seen when they crucify Jesus with two other men on each side and in between him. And the two people that he's crucified with are likely uh, political insurrectionists, right? And so this is one of the things um, about, uh, you know, understanding the cross in the Roman times. There were, on, as, as a whole, uh, two types of people that, that suffered the penalty of crucifixion. The first were runaway slaves, and the second were political insurrectionists, because the cross was a symbol of power for Rome that they wielded on a political and battle level. So if you, you know, rebelled against Rome and Rome's rule, what did they want to do? They wanted to demonstrate their power. And so here they're, they're crucifying these two individuals who probably committed some act of treason, probably tried to kill someone. It just wasn't like, you know, they stole bread or something like that. Um, rather, they did something political. And so the, the interesting thing is they, is they nail the sign to the, um, you know, to the cross. And they have this sign above Jesus' head, and right? And it says, you know, king of the Jews in three languages because they wanted everyone to know what his punishment was. He claimed to be king when there is no other king but Caesar. And so Jesus is crucified with a bunch of political insurrectionists when in reality, Jesus was none of that. And for me, that's one of the most astounding um, of the prophecies that we look at. I think the other one that I would uh, draw at comes to us from Jeremiah. In Jeremiah, we read about the formation of the new covenant. And for me, uh, this gets fulfilled in the uh, communion uh, when Jesus has the Last Supper with the disciples, his, this final Passover meal. And because the really the Last Supper is the riddle, or rather the key that unlocks the crucifixion of Jesus. Uh, it, it unlocks his suffering in his death because it, it, it is the bread which symbolizes his broken body. It is the cup of his blood which is poured out as a new covenant for the forgiveness of our sins. It's these two things coming together, and then you're like, Oh my gosh, this is why he had to die. 
and this is why he had to suffer, to form the new covenant so that we might be brought into relationship with God. So for me, this is one of these really powerful moments that God wanted to do something uh, which paralleled the time of when he took them out of Egypt. And how did he take them out of Egypt? With the Passover lamb. But now a new lamb is coming, and that lamb is Jesus Christ. I think when we look at... um, you know, what challenged you the most? Because there wasn't anything here that really surprised me this week, um, unlike maybe some other weeks. But uh, what challenged me? I think the reflection question on day 28 is the most challenging. And it says, Jesus died among men whose crimes merited punishment. Although he had, did not deserve this punishment, he took that punishment for my sins. And so we're to thank Jesus for bearing the punishment that we deserve. You know, why? Because we've all rebelled from God. You know, no one is righteous, not one. What does Paul say, right? Paul says that, uh, you know, we were all in rebellion of God. We were all going our own way. But while we were still sinners, what? Christ died for us to reconcile us to God, to bring us back into relationship with him, to restore communion once again. And for me, that's really the most powerful truth of the gospel and it's climaxed in the cross that our sin was so serious that the separation was so serious that it caused God himself in his son to come and deal with the problem himself and overcome a barrier that you and I couldn't overcome in our own strength. As we turn to the questions and and look really at the problem for this week, um, it's, it's really a comparison between two passages. The first comes to us in Leviticus chapter 20, verse 10. In Leviticus 20, verse 10, uh, here we read, If a man commits adultery with a married woman, if he commits adultery with his neighbor's wife, both the adulterer and the adulteress must be put to death. I mean, it's very clear. The sin of adultery is so serious before God that it merits death. Um, But then there's this interesting thing that happens later on with a prophet named Hosea who's called to take a a harlot, a a hooker, for his wife. And here's what happens. Uh, In in chapter 3, just kind of reading a little bit, then the Lord said to me, Go again and show love to a woman who is loved by another man and is an adulteress. Let's stop right there. Hosea was called to marry a prostitute and to have children with her. And this was to symbolize God's relationship with Israel. You see, Israel loved God. He married them to herself. But what happened? She went away after other gods and basically slept with them under every tree is what, is what he winds up saying in Jeremiah. So he said, I sent them away with a certificate of divorce. Uh, I believe it's in Jeremiah chapter 3 that he says this. Yeah, so in verse 8, it actually says that God sent, sent them away and gave them a certificate of divorce. But now, what is God saying? Symbolically, through Hosea and Gomer's marriage, he says, go and show love to a woman who's loved by another, whose man is an, uh, another man and is an adulteress. Just as the Lord loves the Israelites, though they turn to other gods and love raisin cakes. And so he buys her back. And then in verse 3, he says, you're to live with me many days. You must not be, um, you know, you must not be promiscuous or belong to any man. And I will act the same way toward you. 
you'll be faithful to me and I'll be faithful to you. For the Israelites must live many days without a king or a priest, without the sacrifice or sacred pillar, and without ephod or household idols. And afterward, the people of Israel will return and seek the Lord their God and David their king. They will come with awe to the Lord and to goodness in the last days. And so what was God going to do? God was going to rescue them from their oppressors. They were going to return to him, them. And what was God going to do? God was going to do the hard work, buy them back despite them turning away. Despite him divorcing her, uh, God was saying, no, I'm bringing you back and you're coming back into my household. Why? Because I love you that much. And so what God did really for all people is that he bought us all back. He paid the price in the penalty of his death. And so what we're doing is we're looking at this really hard text-to-text passage where God says, well, no, the penalty actually there, according to God's law, is that she should die. But no, what God says here is that she shouldn't die. Rather, she should be brought back into the house. She should be redeemed, and she's going to be redeemed with money, with a a costly price. But guess what? That price is beyond anything that we could ever imagine because it cost him the very price of his own son and his perfect sinless blood. And this is really the trajectory that this question is is trying to point forward and and, and really draw a picture of the cost of which Jesus wanted, uh, or rather what God wanted to do in Jesus. So as we move to the promise and the fulfillment, uh, it's important that we frame this out um, because we've been bought with the precious blood of Jesus. You know, 1 Peter 1 19 and we've been restored into a new relationship with God and that symbolic act of that restoration is really what we want you to focus on. Uh, we want you to take some time and read 1 Corinthians uh, you know 11 23 through 26 as as Paul there is talking about communion and doing this in remembrance of what uh, Christ has done for us and then it's about not reflecting on any discussion but it's about taking communion together and giving thanks for God fulfilling his promise to redeem us. And I think this is just a great time to, to, to think, to reflect on, and to even share on your redemption story and maybe how God's currently doing a work in you or maybe how or maybe the work that God has done in you, you know, the moment that he saved you. But I think it's a great time to to really take some a, a, a personal reflection on that, but then to begin to reflect on that to the group and just share about the wonderful thing that God has done in the cross. I mean, this is really one of the climactic moments when God comes on the scene and is willing to take on our sins so that we might be redeemed and brought back into relationship with him. So that's kind of the focus that we want you to have here. So uh, be prepared. You know, you're going to need to get, uh, you know, grape juice and, and, uh, and you'll need matzah. Uh, I mean, you can use bread or whatever, but, uh, you know, I'd encourage you to use matzah and then I'd encourage you to use grape juice and, and take some time and have communion together and take time. Uh, this is a great time to pray for one another uh, and to see God just move in powerful ways. Lastly, the personal application for this week is really looking forward to Easter. Uh, Easter is only, uh, you know, it's two weeks away, really. Um, and so who who are you inviting to come and see Jesus, 
right? You know, uh, we want people to come and see the empty tomb, that the story just doesn't end in a sad note that Jesus died and that he was this great teacher and he worked all these miracles and it all, oh, it's just such a shame that he died. No, 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 no. This was a part of the purpose and the plan of God. God had been orchestrating this story from the very beginning, what to bring us into his family and to defeat the very barriers that were holding us out of relationship with him because God loved us so much that he wanted to be with us, that he wanted to be in relationship with us. And so he defeated the very powers that held us in bondage so that we might be able to walk in newness of life and have victory over these things. And this is the wonderful story that we want other people to hear, that the cross is the moment when our sin is dealt with and when the And when the stone rolls away, death begins to be swallowed up in victory. Death loses its sting. It really holds no more power over us. And we're waiting for that final day when death will be fully defeated. And this is the promise that we're looking for. And so we want you to reflect, you know, who are some of those people in your group, maybe three people that you can each name, who who you're believing to come in faith in Christ. And we want you to pray for them and share them together and, and share about this as a group. Uh, and, and, and you know, we were talking uh, as a staff, and one of the things that we're going to try and do this Sunday, and I hope we're going to get it accomplished, is but we want to we create a wall where you're going to be able to write the name of someone who you're praying for. And we want to pray with you to see that person come to church on Easter and come to Christ. And hey, even if they don't come on Easter, even if they don't come to Christ on Easter, but that we would begin praying with you and your group would begin praying with you to see that person come into a life-changing relationship with Jesus Christ. You know, if we're going to be changed lives, changing communities, that's going to begin with changed lives, changing lives. And that's going to begin by us telling our story with other people and through that story, inviting them into the story of Christ and telling them how the story of Christ has changed transformed our story and we wanted to transform your story because we know that the greatest change in life, that the greatest transformation, the greatest freedom, the greatest just awesome thing that could ever happen to anyone is coming into a life-changing relationship with Jesus. So my hope is that you'll be uh, excited for Easter, uh, that you guys just begin praying about that. Um, and I hope that you guys have a great group uh, time this this season. And also, uh, l- let me just plug next season really quickly. Uh, you know, next season, you know, we're looking at doing the fruit of the Spirit right out of Galatians, all nine fruit of the Spirit, just kind of reflecting on that and talking about, hey, it's all about being rooted in Christ. Uh, and, and as we're rooted in Christ, guess what gets produced? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. These are the things that get produced in our lives when we get rooted in Christ. And so, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm dealing with, with, with self-control. Well, I need to get more rooted in Christ. I mean, that's the solution. Um, and, and, this, and this becomes this thing that we want to point forward to. Um, so we want you to join us on the journey. Uh, you know, join a small group and, and get connected further in discussions about what's going on in the sermon series. You know, I'm looking forward to it. So if your group is getting connected in this, or if you know someone in your group who wants to lead a group, we'd love for that to happen. Uh, sent you all an email this past week. Uh, you know, send them that link and say, hey, fill this out and uh, you'll, we'll get you connected to join a small group. So uh, just so excited for everything that God's doing in your groups. Share with me any testimonies. Let me know if you have any problems. Love to be a resource for you. Let me pray for you as we 
go, God, I'm just so grateful for the ultimate sacrifice that you did on the cross in Jesus to redeem us, to rescue us, and to bring us into fellowship with you. So grateful so loving. I pray that every group has a transformative experience this week, that every group has a deeper appreciation of who you are, that every single group, God, this week will encounter you in a personal and an intimate and a real and powerful way as they take communion together. That, Lord, as you said, that this is my body, this is my blood. Lord, that that would come alive to them, that this would just be a new and fresh reality. So, Lord, I'm believing, I'm praying, God, that you're going to show up, that you're going to do miracles. Lord, and that as they're praying for many people to come into a relationship with Jesus Christ, to come and see Jesus on Easter in the empty tomb and make a decision to follow you, God, I pray that we'll see breakthroughs, that we'll hear testimonies, that as we prayed, as you know, they invited their friends and and, and those people came to church and then they gave their lives to the Lord. And so we're just uh, greatly anticipating the harvest that is to come. Uh, so Lord, we thank you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. Love you guys. Uh, Let me know if I can help you out in any way. Um, And just look forward to talking to you in our final small group podcast that's coming next week as we just begin to reflect on Jesus as our risen Savior.